There is nothing in my life right now that is more important than talking about Uncharted with Spencer Pazer. So that's exactly what we're going to do. It's Nerdy for 30. Just so the listeners are aware, I was I was brought to this movie against my will. And we haven't started I, yet, Spencer. Shut up. No. Kevin, do your thing. Start with that. Start. <laughs> let's get Spencer on record. You can't see this. We do have a gun to his head. Yeah. No, I I merely um I merely enjoy the prospect of spending time with the two of you and uh and 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 engaging in these thoughtful discussions. But this was against my will and you're, you're wrong you are wrong you are wrong this is a, a it's a film it's not a movie it's a film it's a piece of art uh this is a piece of cinema is what you're saying it's a piece of cinema oscar talks for sure oh yes 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 yeah, Definitely oscar, oscar talks talk. for sure as an oscar the grouch is talking about why the fuck did they put shit this bad in my trash can <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Nerdy 430, the podcast where we talk about nerdyish things for 30-ish minutes. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tim Keck. My name is Kevin Bauer. And if you've been listening to the podcast at all over the past couple of weeks, you recognize our guest already. It's Spencer Pazer. He's been here with us. It's an unofficial trilogy at this point, uh, the likes of which I think... It's going to be the best trilogy you see until they make the other two Uncharted movies, right? <laughs> I'm talking franchise potential from this. You probably picked up from like context cues so far. This is a terrible movie. It's, is it doing well? Is it doing well? It is doing well. It's doing well. Good. We'll get another well. one. I want another one. I'm ready for it. I'll I'll watch three of them. I'll watch four more of them. I don't care. Do eight. Tony CEO already said like they're basically gonna do more. They have to. I mean, they they went out of their way to make such an awesome PlayStation logo or uh, Chiron at the beginning. What, what is <laughs> they that called? Really? They yes, they made the um uh, the company's like logo. It's uh, you're, you're, Chiron's not the right word. I know. I've lost it, but there's got to be a word for it. Yeah, so what Tim's referring to is you know, when the when the movie starts, all the production company like logos have like oh, their production own cards, right? Production cards, I guess, or title cards. Sorry, title card. So PlayStation now has its own title card for films produced based off of games made by for PlayStation, and it is it is not appealing at all. There was nothing in that in that. In that title card that made me <laughs> interested whatsoever. Dude, what I think this is a great place to get started too, because you know, first off, this happens, this title card happens before the movie even starts. I could feel everybody in the whole theater go, What? <laughs> like, it's maybe the only time that I've ever seen where a title card like throws everybody off early on. Um now when you say everybody, even though we said that this movie is successful. You do mean the total number of sixteen people who were in the theater with us yes. on that, yeah. on that there day? Were, yes, there were sixteen people in the theater for Jackass. We we just we just have a great spot yeah. now, oh, you know. Jackass, yeah. Jackass was much more crowded than this movie. 
we just have a great we found a great theater with comfy seats that nobody goes to and we watch we movies by ourselves tell anybody where this thing is no, we're, <laughs> I feel like we're the only ones that know about it <laughs> not gonna mention it at all so ranking um so let's all let's all go around and say what other playstation movies we're excited for <laughs> i'm i personally am excited for the god of war movie i'm sure that's gonna be great um do they have the rights to red dead redemption that's a movie i'd watch uh they got a lot of properties game. that i'm i'm ready to, to lap up here's the thing man i think this is the i think this is the deal with any kind of a video game movie property is that it really truly does not need to exist the games themselves are so immersive, so cinematic, especially the Sony games that they showed in this title card. God of War, the game from 2018, is going to be way better than whatever version of it they can put on the screen. It's automatically going to pale in comparison. It's not like a book where it's like, at least we're seeing these things that we imagined in our heads on screen for the first time. It's not like a comic where we're seeing this two-dimensional image come to life in 3D for the first time. This was already a 3D image. For the most part, it was already CGI. Like, it's going to be maybe a slightly better resolution because Hollywood can pay for it and it doesn't have to be, like, playable. No, it's it's just real people in a CGI landscape instead of CGI people in a CGI landscape. And to, to Kevin's point, the only reason a Red Dead movie will be, never be made is because you play a movie. I mean, the game itself is a film playing out in front of you, except you get to control it. And it's so much better that way. And I would imagine the game Uncharted is better. But Kevin here is going to offer his defense of this film and why he enjoyed it so much. So wait, please, I want to get in here please. real quick with my with my with my other PlayStation idea before we, we jump off this topic completely. Everyone, I think, is chasing the Tomb Raider high, which okay. I personally prop up as an example of a video game that I've never played because I always looked bad and boring uh, and watch those movies constantly, mostly to see Angelina Jolie's side boot when she got out of the shower in the second one. And but those those movies defined my youth. <laughs> they were constantly on TV. They're exactly the tier of movie that Uncharted is like a good TNT movie, a good like, oh, you're watching your half. You're they're puzzle movies. You're working on something like you're focusing on something. And this is in the background. It's like exactly that tier of movie. Definitely better than the video game. Maybe the counter to that is just the Tomb Raider video game was the technology was not nearly there for video games back then. And so there it's not it didn't have the video games did not have the cinematic quality that an actual film could have. Whereas Red Dead Redemption, now you're playing, you know, 113 hours of of story and like an immersive like voice actors and like people that look almost real and spending so much time with these characters that a movie doesn't really add anything to it. I think you just you literally just said the exact point I was going to bring up, (laughs) which is that the only reason. Tomb Raider and movies like it were successful because video game graphics were such garbage, such trash when Tomb Raider was popular that putting Angelina Jolie in in its place was like, first of all, she was the biggest star on the planet at that point in her career. I mean, she was like 
no one, what was she dating Billy Bob Thornton, wearing a vial of, she was the OG when it came to wearing a vial of blood around your, someone's neck, making out with her brother on red carpets. I mean, that was the stuff of legend. Like, Wait, I want to address, <laughs> I want to address all three of the points that you just yes, said. Yes, first go up, please. First off, get in there, Kim. You said, you said dating Billy Bob Thornton as if that was like the mark of you know, the most famous actor on earth. It's like, look, the A-list is determined by who is currently dating Billy Bob Thornton. At the time, I would have said absolutely yes. Oh my God. Second (laughs) off, you said she was the OG in wearing your partner's blood around their neck. That's what got me. That's a trend that's everywhere now. (laughs) Okay, well... Everyone everyone who's doing it now is a bunch of posers. Well, currently, isn't like MGK and Megan Fox doing something like that right now? Ugh, that's what aren't they doing? Well, that's the point. Like they're this like this they're this hot couple. Like like Angelina and Billy Bob were the MGK and Megan Fox like 20 years ago is what I'm saying. Like that's how popular they were. They yeah. were everywhere. Well, like which we brings me to my them. last point. The third yeah. thing you mentioned as yeah, a mark she's... of a top tier actor is making yeah. out with your brother on the red carpet. I... <laughs> Very cool. I would... <laughs> I would say it puts you in a in a in a very notable category <laughs> when you're doing something like that in a very public form. But I digress. I want to see Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox do like a blood transfusion on the red carpet and have like (laughs) IVs hooked up and just be like, like they're walking down the red carpet, but their blood is literally mixing with the blood in the other person's body. And we can see it all through wires and stuff like really freak us out, guys, while they're kissing their while they're kissing their siblings. (laughs) Like, Let's go real hard. (laughs) You've put it out into the world. So now it's possible as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) That's the secret, Tim. And they're regular nerdy for 30 yes, listeners. So hi, hi, Megan and MGK. Nice to, uh, glad you're here with us. I mean, I think, I think you're both dead on. Like it's just, <laughs> it's never going to pale. <laughs> yes. Yeah, specifically, specifically about the riffs. You're both after, dead on. After talking about Machine Gun Kelly <laughs> and Megan Fox for two minutes, Kevin's like, you guys are yeah, you're right. spot on. I gotta say you're right. <laughs> <laughs> is this way to get back to uncharted talk that's uh, just yeah, we, yeah, i'm we charting do. a path back yeah good segue yeah hey, thank you you know i felt bad about it it's <laughs> you're both right uh spencer tim the idea that it's there's never anything that we're going to see in these movies that's going to match up to what we get to play for a hundred plus hours there's there's no way you can't cram that much story into one movie, even like Uncharted that looks like they're trying to make it into a franchise. There's no way you're never going to be able to make enough movies to cover everything you can cover in the game. And the interactive element is key to that. The fact that because you're playing it, you are immersed in the game. The Last of Us is maybe my favorite game of all time because I feel like I lived through it. But by the same token, I do think Tim had a point when he said that everybody is chasing that Tomb Raider high because the action adventure, like specifically the like, I'm going to say the adventure movie genre has really been lacking lately. There's a lot of superhero movies that come out, but there was like a late 90s, early 2000s resurgence of these adventure movies. The Mummy, The Scorpion King, Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider 2. I'm going to lump National Treasure in there. I think like National Treasure is just... In there. An adventure movie that's lumped into Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, 
Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates absolutely. Caribbean. Huge one. Um, I personally hated this movie, but Spencer blew my mind by revealing that he loves it. Uh, Fool's Gold. <laughs> Definitely an adventure Spencer's movie. Favorite Sahara. Movie. I've never actually seen Sahara, Wait. but I hear Sahara is great. What a bomb to drop and say that I loved it. <laughs> this, you definitely love it. You fought so hard for that movie. I fought hard for that movie in comparison to the one we are discussing now. Oh my god! <laughs> Which we should. We, you know, what we should do. We should. We should first. We should. We have to get out the, the plot of this film out of the way for the listener because yeah, they Lord. need to know what's at stake here. We need to tell them why Tim loved it so much why i despised it so much and why kevin where you are on here here's why i liked it is because (laughs) it's just they they said the plot is just hey mark Wahlberg, he's a fun guy tom holland he can be a fun guy let's put them together and let's just have them go on little adventures together and there's a pirate ship and they're solving a puzzle and there's no stakes there's no emotional context it's just they're just going on an adventure together and they're doing fun stuff they're both pickpockets they both do they both look cool the fighting's kind of neat like if you are i'm telling this is i've I'm coining the term puzzle movie. If you were working on something and had this on in the background, you would you would love this is a background movie like easily where you just come in. You don't even you're not too worried about who what's going on. You're not too worried about what the stakes are. You just want to see a cool fight scene and then leave. Specifically, you're at the dinner table. You're working on a puzzle. TNT is on in the background. Yes. And this movie is playing on TNT. Yes. Yeah. And I think I think that's exactly the place it belongs. It's exactly the tier it's in. Now, we we you just listed a bunch of movies to compare it to, which I think it is in those classes. I would argue all of those other movies are better movies, uh, especially Fool's Gold, just out of respect for Spencer, because I don't want to start a fight with him. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) this is this is trying to be National Treasure, which National Treasure is like a great movie. Like it's a fun movie it's the same thing as uncharted but better so it's a i mean if when we're picking nits in this and while i think why spencer's freaking out so much is like this isn't a good movie but it's a fun movie i think and i was able to turn my brain off 10 minutes in once i realized what it was and just sit back and enjoy how dumb it was i, I sorry before we continue i want to lump in another adventure movie that's also better than this uh the sorcerer's apprentice is better than this movie yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> Kevin's face. Kevin's have you really? Kevin. Have you both seen it? I've never <laughs> yeah. seen this movie. Oh, with Nick Cage. Oh, really? For You've sure. never seen the Source yeah. of Sources Apprentice? Is it worth yeah. watching? Oh, I mean, no, but it's better than this. <laughs> I mean, I'll put it on next time. I need to work on a puzzle. So, what's missing, Spencer? What is the thing that's missing? Because I think one of the elements that we we discussed before was just an emotional component. They're both. They're all looking for treasure. And we don't really know why they're looking for treasure. There's no other reason for treasure. They just both need treasure. And the only reason we're looking for treasure is because Mark Wahlberg wants to be rich and Tom Holland wants to find his brother or finish what his brother did. And the setup for that emotional arc in the beginning of the movie was so fucking lame that like, it's like I guess as you recall, Tim and Kevin, uh, in the opening sequence in the film where uh, Tom, Holland, the younger version of Tom Holland, who can't be, you know, he, he really isn't that much younger and isn't much smaller than the real Tom Holland, is following his brother into, are they in a school or where were they? Or was it a, was it like a museum? They, I think uh, they were in the 
like whatever the Boston Museum of Art is. But yeah. didn't like a sister bust them? Like a, like a, like a nun bust them? Uh, the and museum guards. It was the museum. Like, yeah. Okay, them, right. Called the cops on That's them. The cops brought them to the. That's right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right about that. They go to find a map and, and they stand in front of this map and have the most insane revelatory moment about their parents being dead. And the, what's the line, Tim? Uh, it's like. <laughs> lost but not like, forgotten but lost uh, yes lost but and not then gone. He goes, well, and, yes and lost but not forgotten like if something's lost it could be found and then tom holland's younger the very younger version of tom holland's character goes what about my parents and the brother goes no they're dead they're gone <laughs> <laughs> i remember laughing just as obnoxiously as i just did during that moment and caring so little for the continuing motion of the film, including like, so that the older brother leaves the younger brother in the lurch and then 15 years go by and we're, and we're now catching up with Tom Holland as he's playing the movie cocktail, uh, playing the role of Tom Hanks in the movie cocktail. The thesis statement of the movie is kind of what is, what's lost can be found again. And immediately they stay with this thesis is. And then he asks about his parents and he's like, no, 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 no. Everything, everything else in the movie is about that, except for these two people. And it's like, oh, my, the whole I was the whole time I was convinced Mark Wahlberg was going to be his dad. Like, I, I still think that's true. Mark Wahlberg is his dad. There's no doubt. In my I don't mind. think you're far off on that. I think you could be right on that, which honestly would be if that is the case in the sequel will be a refreshing like like piece like storytelling uh device but i mean having watched what we just watched like i i would expect at the same time to miss that entirely to miss Mm -hmm. that opportunity and then you know like some some obviously spoiler alert the brother's still alive uh at the end of it all i mean the whole movie mattered for nothing it mattered for nothing and it was and it was it was as as basic as and you recall that rick and morty episode uh, about like going on adventures and and uh, and like double crossing. Have either of you seen that? Yeah, yeah. And that's what it was. That's what I felt like I was watching. I just kept thinking of that Rick and Morty episode the entire time, where everyone's double crossing each other and just like the robots. I don't know. I I kind of feel like we got an origin story for Tom Holland's shoulder holster in the same way that Black Widow was an origin story for. <laughs> a vest and dyed hair like that's so funny <laughs> this movie existed so that the next movie could start and we wouldn't question wait tom holland's a treasure hunter but the thing is we weren't gonna question that any of the movies that i listed that are in the adventure genre they all start with a treasure hunter already yeah. hunting treasure good to go it's all okay we're there for a treasure hunting movie we are not going to question that part of the premise yeah. What was weird about it That's was when he was point. when he was tending bar though, that was maybe the parts of the movie that worked the best. Like there was something about him as a bartender that was kind of grifting. I think there's a completely separate action movie or like a completely separate adventure or heist movie that you can go and do with that version of the character because it was like it was really fun to watch Tom Holland as a bartender with sticky fingers, like putting him in suits and stuff. I don't think he's James Bond potential, but like this kind of like James Bondy Oliver Twisty guy. Yeah, that's in his wheelhouse. Well, that's so, the yeah, that's the Danny Ocean uh, Linus Caldwell moment from Ocean's Eleven, where he lifts where he lifts the wallet, follows him into the bar, that whole thing. 
I'm saying, I feel like that's a more compelling direction to take. I know this is an adaptation, but like there's, there's the bones in there to do a different, better movie out of this. Um, and it's just kind of a shame that that's not the movie we saw. And instead we saw a prequel that we didn't need. I don't think Tom Holland is the reason this movie's bad. I think Tom Holland is great in this and all the things I really like about this. I'm like, Oh, I would love to see more of Tom Holland being a spy and being a pickpocket and being a treasure hunter. All this stuff sounds fun to me. Like I'm happy to sit back and watch this guy go on adventures. I think he can do it. You know, I was kind of worried the whole time. I'd be like, Oh, Spider-Man's on an adventure. And after a while I kind of was like, no, that's Tom Holland on an adventure. It's not Spider-Man. I don't know the guy's name. I know it's Nathan Drake or something like that, but fuck it. That's that's not who I was watching. I was watching Wait, Tom Holland and some random name. girl the go on an adventure. The opening sequence makes it look like Spider-Man where they're hanging out on a plane where all the random physics come into play as they're being dragged off of the tail end of a cargo plane. That reminds me of you brought up Rick and Morty of another Rick and Morty quote that I think of all the time with these movies and with stories in general is, you know, basically Dan Harmon saying stories should start where they start, not where they get interesting. And it's just (laughs) all these movies opening with a with a fun scene and then cutting to five days later. I hate it. I can't stand it. It's the most obnoxious thing ever, because in my mind, it just erases all of the stakes for the movie up until that point, right? Tom Holland is still alive in this. Guys are shooting at him. You know what? He's going to be fine. He's going to end up falling out of a plane, which is a cool scene, but he's not going to die. He's not going to get hurt. He's not going to get beat up. He's not going to get lost. I know we're all running. I know everything is going towards this scene. So now it's in the back of my head this whole time. And I don't understand for the life of me how that's good movie making work. I don't, I don't understand how that's good storytelling, just chasing well, Tim, you this just event. Answered your own question because it's not good movie making. <laughs> that is why this movie sucks. <laughs> it's always bad. It's just it's never ever worked for me. I want to say this is just a, a pet theory that I'm hatching right now. I want to say it's that when it works well, it's not that direct. So when it works well, we're seeing something where we don't necessarily know. All of the ingredients that go into it were just promised something exciting is going to happen. The example that's very vague, the example that I want to give for this is we see Tom Holland hanging out of the plane. So like you said, we know that Tom Holland survives all of the gunshots that are being fired at him. Anytime we're worried that he might go to jail, we know that he doesn't stay in jail too long because here he is hanging outside the airplane. So I think when it does work, maybe it has to concern elements that aren't so fixed like we see. Uh, not one of the principal characters. We see something else. I would need to go do research to back that up. But I mean, I think walk the line is one that comes to mind, right? Like in that movie, it's like he's he's reflecting Johnny. The character Johnny Cash is reflecting on his life before or during a show. And so he's looking back on his life. And so the stakes in that aren't, oh, my God, is Johnny Cash going to die? Oh, my God, what's this crazy plot going to be? It's like, oh, Johnny Cash is a character we already know. So, yeah. like, why not have him on stage looking back at his life? I guess that's a way to tell a story. I Again, I don't know if that's necessary, but the stakes are not the same as action movie where we know a character is going to be OK, you know, 10 weeks from now. But then we go back 10 weeks and we have to somehow. Oh, my God. Wow. He he got out of there. Oh, my God. He survived the fall. Can't believe that happened. Yeah. You know. Dude, I think you nailed it. I think the genre is important because I'm also thinking of uh, you said Johnny Cash. I'm thinking of Get On Up where it starts off that scene of James Brown shooting a shotgun at 
inside the building because someone used his private bathroom. And in that example, it's like, how the fuck did we end up here? Like we get to see this person that we've all known as James Brown get to the point where he's going to shoot a shotgun into the air because someone shit in his private bathroom. Well, I mean, there's a reason why, I mean, those elements work for storytelling in a, in a movie in these two instances, especially in a biopic is because we all know the person that we're talking about and, and that we're viewing a story about. We don't know the in-betweens. We don't know, you know, like, cause, cause when you're watching a real person, like every step is something that you can feel that you can perceive yourself doing because you know how hard it is to fall to the ground, like a superhero falling to the ground or like a, a, a fictional character, you know, that, that's no, that literally means nothing for them because it doesn't mean anything to the progress of their story. Like something like James Brown or, or Johnny Cash, like all these, all these things they did throughout their lives, <clears throat> crazy and, and whatnot, like in the moment they're scary. And they're like, how, Oh my God. Like you're, you're like, wow, this is the mix. It's it. You're filling in the pieces of a puzzle, but with a, a character like Nathan Drake, that's fictional treasure hunter, like, unless you're trying unless you ground it properly then it's just going to seem like a video game where he just has unlimited lives and yeah. you and the, there's holds no stakes for the viewer in that and it makes the movie unappealing in so many ways on, an, on a, a similar note it opens with this scene that we're kind of discussing which is like this big airplane scene which I, they're very proud of and they wanted to show it as many times as possible. I think that's what it is. Mm. It was in the trailer. Yeah. If you've seen the trailer, you've seen this movie. If you don't want to watch this movie, go watch the trailer. You'll know exactly what we're talking about. So yeah. first first scene is whatever. It's 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 him falling out of this plane. The next scene is him as a child. Yes. And then the following scene is him as an adult working at the bar or whatever, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Why can't he just start at the bar? Am I am I missing something there, too? Because I think a lot of these stories, like I feel like National Treasure, doesn't that start with him as like a kid and like talking to his dad or like or is that something that's uncovered during the time? I guess I guess I should have done more research for this question. I think there's a flashback to where John Voight talks about the oh, no, I think the second one where he um, was the first one or the second one where he steals the Declaration of Independence. The first, first one, one is the Declaration of Independence. Doesn't it open with him like on a ship, like no, finding it, it the opens pipe? With, it, opens, it opens with, um, if I recall correctly, it opens with like the history of that moment where they perceived his uncle to betray the founders or something. Oh, with him as and a kid it, presenting it to his class or something? No, 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 no. I think it like starts way back, like in 1700s. And then I think there's, there's, um, there may be a introspect. There may be a flashback moment with John Boyd as, as his father, but the flashback is like the context of the original storyline that jumps to the, the, um, the, the, the Jesus Christ. He's doing like a lecture, and he gets proven wrong in front of a bunch of people that his father yeah. uh, by Ed Harris's character. No, that's the second one. Fuck. Okay, Spencer doesn't remember <laughs> National Treasure. I think we've established that. I'm just I'm mixing like, my goddamn National Treasures up right now. <laughs> Kevin, is there another way to establish emotional stakes without showing your protagonist as a child? Yeah. You have the present day characters say that my brother said once that anything lost can be found and we're there. And it's like, oh, what about your brother? 
He's not lost. He's gone. Boom. We've saved ourselves five it's, minutes. It's fantastic. Three locations. Uh, probably four ten, extras that dollars. we're never going to see again. <laughs> oh, man. It's yeah. insane. Okay. Any more? I do any think other- I, I do. I got a big beef. Uh, yeah, sorry please. to cut you off, Tim. I just have such a big beef. Uh, the kid that plays young Tom Holland is as Spencer. Jesus. As Spencer mentioned, uh, he's like two years younger. I think he's supposed to be playing Tom Holland 10 years ago. He is like two years years younger. 15. 15? Are you fucking kidding me? And then they're like 15 years later. So you're supposed to assume that he's like, I don't know, 25 or some shit. The kid is two years younger than Tom Holland with a deeper voice. (laughs) Is he really? (laughs) Is that true? He's really oh, no, I didn't look it up. I'm just, oh, God, it yeah. seems like it's true. He grew yeah, once good enough these days. And now he's tending yeah. bar. <laughs> he grew, <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, I have a lot of gripes with this film, other than uh, than what we've all been talking about. But, I mean, the <laughs> the level of believability, just it, it fluctuates so dramatically throughout this entire film. Mark Wahlberg's, uh unwillingness to like really get beat up like he has that scene with with the, his <laughs> rival where you know like with the woman his rival where she like almost kills him or like tries to beat him up in that in that papa john's that clearly another like i'm in a papa john's like boom there's five million dollars like it's it's uh it's a movie produced you know it's it's a corporate film so I'm on the Papa John's and I liked the Papa John's moment. I thought that was funny. There are moments <laughs> in this that are kind of funny where he's just like, shit, I'm in a Papa John. Like they're in this underground chamber and he's following them up above and he's in a Papa John's and then just has I a fight that. in a Papa John's. That's great. You know how that brings me out of it though. Like, oh, I, you want me to live in this fantastical world of treasure hunters and thieves. And then you're like, oh, I'm gonna fight in, in a Papa. You're gonna say Papa John's? I mean, don't, you don't have to say it. Like, give me a sign. Just put a sign like that I could catch somewhere like on the replay or like some, some nerd on Instagram is going to be like, you post it later and be like, Oh, catch that Papa John's reference. Or it's like, I don't need the, the spoon feeding, you know, like give it to me so I can figure it out for myself. This is, this is the problem. They think they, people made the major studios and Sony has this problem in general, think that audiences are stupid. <laughs> And the, the fact is, there, while there are a lot of uh, not great, smart people out there, the general viewing audience can figure shit out for themselves. And if they can't, it's always fun to rediscover things down the line. Like, I, I have a great time watching films I watched as a youth because I always rediscover new things when I rewatch them, especially if they're any good. And you're going to keep rediscovering new things every time you (laughs) rewatch Uncharted. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) On the many rewatches of Uncharted, you're going to get the subtle placing of it's a punchline in this thing. It's a joke. (laughs) It's in a Papa John's right now. Papa John's is funnier than, you know, it's like the improv thing of like Heinz 57 or whatever is past the Heinz is funnier than past the ketchup for whatever reason it is. That's a terrible improv example of, you know, what (laughs) comedy should not be, but the specifics are I mean, more funny. Let's let's I'm end on a positive note. 
We've only got a few oh, minutes God. left. Let's all go around and say what our favorite thing about this movie was. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start. My favorite was uh, the Papa John's. Um, oh, God. The, Mine was I actually, also I do. the Papa John's. Spencer? <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite moment of the movie is when Tom Holland is dangling uh, at the edge of the pirate ship that is being uh, that is attached to a helicopter being piloted by mark Wahlberg, and there is a separate pirate ship also attached to a helicopter being piloted by a man with a very thick scottish accent who (laughs) had previously been set up in this movie as sort of like a a bit and instead of as kevin as (laughs) as uh, instead of any sort of payoff whatsoever for this character uh he he decides to ram into, he decides that he's going to ram into Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg's ship helicopter combo with his own. And while he's doing that, he's holding a gun upright in the cockpit while he's headed straight towards <laughs> Tom Holland. That's a good point. In, in a menacing manner, as if that is going to make any difference in this moment whatsoever. And that's just, that's just classic bad guy behavior. In a goofy action movie, and uh, that's my favorite part of the film. He's he's gesturing with a handgun that is impossible for him to use. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then there's and there's and I think uh, Kevin, I think you brought this up when we discussed it after watching it. Like there was no like payoff line where like Tom Holland could have said something like "I understood that," like, you know, something something to the effect of of uh, ending the joke on on a with a good punchline we got nothing there was a writing thing in that moment too where he for we first meet the scotsman and the sky and the whole running recurring joke is that no one can understand what the scotsman says and so the scotsman comes up says a bunch of stuff tom holland i don't remember what tom holland said in response for that but it wasn't the right thing to say i was like as soon as he said it i was like that's wrong i could have said that funnier easily that's a writing thing <laughs> like th- this this is a joke it's not being it's not being done right he was told to do the wrong thing so mm-hmm. that's a con my pro my maybe my the funniest part to me was when he tricks the girl into taking the wrong codes and we're all like oh no she got the wrong codes and then he stands up and he's like huh too bad she didn't take the right coordinates and i started oh clapping God. in the theater it was so bad and dumb <laughs> that i couldn't help but clap it i made me smile i was like i genuinely like how dumb this is i saw it coming from a mile away i just i loved it kevin <laughs> what about you bud? we have sorry but we haven't covered so much we haven't covered antonio banderas his father <laughs> The girl that he hires, the other girl that he hires. And we never will. We never will. <laughs> we got to the most to. important stuff first. We're not going to. The one thing we haven't mentioned that I really want to, that we discovered uh, while we were eating lunch afterwards, was the fact that Spencer brought up how many people in this movie double cross each other. It's constant. People are double crossing each other left and right. And then we realized that the MacGuffin of the entire movie was a pair of literal crosses. <laughs> I still don't know. I've been thinking about this every day since. I still don't know if that was intentional or not. I am. I guarantee you it was not intentional. They are also combined into what could be referred to as a double cross. And right? by, the way, <laughs> by the way, when they, sorry, when they combine those crosses and then he inserts that into the key, one of the crosses does not get used in the insertion of that, of the key. It's just like one end of those crosses. So it really didn't take both crosses at all. 
there's an awful thing with the map where it's like they're both standing up and he spins them like random. <laughs> like it makes no sense how he uses them uh, on the map. Like, why can't you just put them on the map and line them up with markers and they point? But there's got to be some weird compass doohickey thing. And it's like it's crazy. It's so crazy. Um, we got to wrap this bad boy up. Spencer, thanks so much for coming back to uh, to talk to us about your favorite movie. I know mean, we couldn't keep you away from it. So. <laughs> Well, we didn't discuss Fool's Gold. What are you talking about? <laughs> Thank you. I forgot. We'll do we'll do Fool's Gold in uh, you know a few years for our Patreon. Uh, Matthew only. McConaughey, Kate Hudson, Kevin Hart, Ray Weinstone. I mean, the list goes on. Well, we're gonna be doing a Kevin Hart series uh, in. We aren't. Uh, Kevin, do you have any final uh, final thoughts for this? Uh, final thought is, I bet the video game's good, and I'm gonna go play that. <laughs> I'm sure That's it's much good. better. Spencer, final thought. Uh, final thought is uh, wait for this movie to come out on uh, FX when it's playing at three o'clock in the afternoon in like a year. Yep. Then buy a puzzle, settle in, and enjoy yourself. That's it for us. Thank you for listening to Nerdy Four Thirty. Uh, stay nerdy, friends. Bye.